Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Chapter 13 is where we are, and... We've had a lot of first in this chapter. In chapter 13, we have Paul's first missionary journey. It's Paul's first outreach. In chapter 13, we have the first time we hear the name, the word Paul. The first time in chapter 13. You remember, prior to chapter 13, he was known as Saul, Saul of Tarsus. But in chapter 13, his name is changed from Saul to Paul. Paul, as I've told you, means little, means small. His name means, it even can mean short. Short one, actually. Scholars believe, I was interested to find out, to discover that many scholars believe and have reported that Paul was very short. That he was just a short guy. And actually, it's reported that he was abnormally short. And that he was not very nice looking from a human perspective. It's been reported that his eyes were kind of bulging. He had these kind of big bug eyes, if you will. That he had a hook nose, really thick lips. That he had really thick eyebrows that kind of connected in the middle. They call that a unibrow. <laughs> y'all laughing at Paul when y'all get to heaven. He's going to be, y'all better watch it. And from a human perspective, I mean, he wasn't a nice-looking guy. We know that he traveled into areas that were malaria-infested. And we know that his eyes were constantly running because in some of his epistles, he talks about that someone had to write the epistle for him. Or the ones that he wrote with his own hand, he'd say, with my own hand, have I written that? Why? Because his eyes were constantly running. So when you looked at Saul, when you looked at Paul, you would not look at him and think that he was a nice-looking guy. You would not look at him and think, man, that's an awesome, mighty, powerful man of God. Because from outward appearance, he didn't look like it. I mean, he's got bug eyes, hook nose, thick lips, unibrow, abnormally short, and these bug eyes are constantly running. And yet, God used him mightily and powerfully. 
And he would be the kind of man that you'd look at and go, I can't believe he's a preacher. That's just, you know, because, I mean, preachers, I mean, aren't they supposed to be nicely dressed? And, and um, aren't they supposed to be charismatic and look good and have the preacher appearance? Whatever that is. You wouldn't look at Paul and think he was a mighty man of God. But that goes to show us and teach us even further, saints, that man looks on the outward but what? God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. But God looks at the heart. Man will look at Paul and say, oh, he can't be a preacher. God looks at the heart and says, that's my man. God used them mightily. You know, I quite honestly, I love it. I've had people tell me from time to time that they'll say, you know, you, you, know, you don't look like a preacher. I go, really? They go, no, you don't look like a preacher. It's like, I mean, what is it? The bald head? I mean, <laughs> what does a preacher look like? Well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really know, but you don't look like him. <laughs> well, you're not helping me. What does a preacher look like? You know, it's like the gym a time or two, and it's actually happened to me twice. But, but uh, you know, you go to the gym. I mean, I go to the gym. I, you know, I'm. I'm 40 years old, and, uh, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at the place where I can't eat a thing. And, uh, you know, because everything just goes right to the, the one pack, and it's kind of right here. And, and, and so, you know, I go to the gym because I'm trying to avoid having a big one pack. And, 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 and so you go to the gym, and I'm, you know, working out or whatever, sitting in the steam room, whatever, and you know, I wear gym clothes. I mean, when you go to the gym, you wear gym clothes. I mean, you're a preacher. You don't wear, like, a suit to the gym. Duh. And, and so you, go, you see, I'm sitting in there and I'm talking. I've been talking with this one guy. This happened actually again fairly recently. I'm talking to this one guy and he's, you know, he, I, I like not being, being able to be identified as a preacher. I'm talking to this one guy and he's just going on and on. Yeah, man. Yeah, blank, 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 blank. Yeah, man, yeah. Over the weekend, man, we were like, yeah, yeah. Blankety, blank, blank, blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blankety, blank, 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 blank. Yeah, blank and blank. You know what I mean? I said, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, he's just going blank and blank, blank, blank. He finally got around and said, yeah, what you, what you do for a living? I said, oh, I'm a minister. He goes, oh, blank. He goes, oh, man, my bad, man, my bad. Oh, dude. Oh, man, you just said something, dude. Oh, blank. I was like, man, you're still doing it, dude. And he's just going on, you know, and he didn't even know. And, and, and it's like he didn't know I was a preacher, and I never told him I was a preacher. The one thing I like about not, quote, unquote, looking like a preacher is people will be real. You know, if I wore a collar, you understand, I don't have a collar. Amen. If I wore a collar and I walked around, people would never be real in my presence. They'd be like, oh, the reverend is here. Everybody be on the best behavior. You know, you go over folks' house, they start putting away the liquor. Now, I know it's none of y'all. None of y'all. I'm not talking to you, okay? I'm just telling you what I have known to happen. And folks be putting away stuff because you're the reverend. And you look it. But you know, it's better not to look it. 
because people will just be honest and be real. And you know that guy, he's blank, 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 and he's going on and on and on. And I say, he goes, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I said, look, don't even worry about it. Really, no, God heard every word you said. <laughs> really, no, continue, continue, continue. <laughs> it's just better. I mean, look, you wouldn't look at somebody like Paul and say, oh, he's a preacher. He didn't look like a preacher. What does a preacher look like? What matters is the condition of a man's heart, not what a man is wearing or what the exteriors look like. And so chapter 13 begins, if you've been with us, you know, it begins in Antioch of Syria. Now, I need to tell you something. There's two Antiochs in chapter 13. We have Antioch of Syria and that's where it begins, the chapter, and it ends in Antioch of Pisidia. On their first missionary journey, if you've been with us, you know, Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch of Syria and then to Seleucia. And from there, they set sail to Cyprus. And then they entered the port of Salamis. And from there, they went to Paphos. And it's in Paphos, if you've been with us, you know, where Paul first led someone to the Lord. Paul's first convert was a guy by the name of Sergius Paulus. The Bible says he was an intelligent man. And after this, they headed north to Antioch, Pisidia. When they arrived in Antioch, Pisidia, they went to the synagogue and they asked Paul, they said, Paul and Barnabas, do you guys have anything to say? And of course, they're preachers. Of course, they had something to say. Paul preached his first sermon. It was an awesome sermon. That sermon, remember I told you, it looked much like Stephen's sermon. And he preached. And he preached powerfully as he went through and traced the history of the Jewish people. And then next week we'll get into chapter 14 of the book of Acts. But they will lead or they'll head actually to, uh, to Iconium in chapter 14. And from Iconium they're going to go to Lystra, from Lystra to Derbe. And then they go back through and they come home, which concludes their first missionary journey. Well, that brings us to verse 42 of chapter 13. I've titled this sermon, Embrace Grace. I love these next few verses. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 42. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. amen. Now, when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, underlined this, saints, persuaded them to continue in what? The grace of God. Underline that, highlight it, remember, we're going to talk about it. On the next Sabbath day in verse 44, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. And then Paul and Barnabas, they waxed, grew bold. King Jimmy says waxed. I like that better. They waxed bold. And they said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you, circle this, first, Mr. Jew. But since you reject it, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Behold, we turn now to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, here's the ministry of the Jewish people to the Gentiles, but they missed it. 
For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Stop right there. Give me your attention. The Jews left the synagogue, and the Gentiles said, we'd like to hear more of the same message. So Paul and Barnabas, they stayed and they persuaded the Jews, the Gentiles, and the proselytes to continue in the grace of God. I find this absolutely fascinating. Paul is fairly new in the ministry. Paul is, well, he's been in the ministry for about 14 years now. And he's preached one sermon. Here we have a man who is fairly new in the ministry. Mind you, he was a very bright and intelligent man. He was a Pharisee, the tribe of Benjamin. Philippians chapter 3 gives a resume. Very bright, very intelligent attorney. And he preaches his first sermon. And even as he now begins to share with the Gentiles, the thing that is kind of at the top of the list to share is that he tells them, guys, listen, listen, continue in the grace of God. Of all of the things he could have shared. Paul could have talked about theology to the nth degree. He could have talked about soteriology. Soteria what? Rodney? Study of salvation. Eschatology, the study of end times. Paul could have addressed any of these things. Prophecy, all of these things he was well familiar with by this 14th, 15th-ish year of his salvation. But he talked about, number one, encouraged them at the top of his list to continue in the grace of God. Why? Because I think Paul understands something that many Christians miss. And that is this, saints. We Christian folk cannot live without the grace of God. Are you listening? We cannot live, I cannot live without the grace of God. Grace. Grace is one of the most beautiful words in all of the Bible. Hey, you might argue with me and say, Rodney, wait a minute, Jesus' name is the most beautiful word in all the Bible. Well, I might want to argue with you. Stay with me. Don't shut me down yet. Jesus' name was a very common name in the first century, in the days of the Bible. It was a very common name. There were other people named Jesus. Other people took the name Jesus. People changed their name to Jesus. So it was a very common name. Now, don't misunderstand me. Jesus' name might have been common, but there was nothing common about Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus is the person of Christ. He is the most beautiful person who has ever lived. Most beautiful. But the word grace is the most beautiful word in all of the Bible. It is a word that Paul the Apostle loved to use. In the New Testament alone, perhaps you're taking notes. In the New Testament alone, the word grace is used over 120 times. 
what is grace, Rodney? It's as simple as this. Listen, here's your definition for grace. Grace is the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God. Grace is the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God. In other words, listen, guys, there is nothing you can do to deserve, to earn, to merit God's grace, God's love. Nothing you can do. God loves you just because. He is God. Nothing you can do to earn it. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, and it's not of yourself. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Don't you know that verse? For by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Don't make the mistake, as I hear people doing, they make the mistake of thinking that that, that it says, for by faith are you saved. Saints, listen, you are not saved by faith. You are not saved by faith. If you could just get a hold of that one little tiny itty bitty nugget, you'd be a lot further off. You are not saved by faith. You're saved by grace. Grace, my friend, is a free gift that God offers to you, and you can't earn a gift. Thus, by definition, a gift. It is given to you. You can't earn a gift. You have to receive a gift. So the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourself, lest anyone should boast. It is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. As you study the New Testament, we can learn from Paul that it's the grace of God that drew us to salvation. Ephesians 2.8. It's the grace of God that teaches us. Jude 1.4. It's the grace of God that causes us to look forward to the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9 tells us, get this, our hearts are established by grace. Jesus has called us, justified us, blessed us, declared us righteous all by his grace. Listen, saints, listen. Our God is a God unlike other gods. Amen? Amen? Our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God, watch this, of outrageous grace. I mean, some of the stuff I do. His grace is out. Some of y'all need to say amen because... Y'all do some bad stuff too. I'm your pastor, I know. And his grace continues to flow. It's outrageous. We don't do anything to deserve it, and God just gives us the grace that we need. God accepts us when we do right. God accepts us when we do wrong. We don't have to worry about when God's grace is going to run out. He doesn't throw his grace in our face and shame us into obedience. God is always merciful. God is always loving. You know what? I'm going to say each of these. I want y'all to say amen. 
God is always merciful. God is always loving. God is always kind. God is always long-suffering. And God is always gracious. Isn't that true? Psalm 103, verse 8. Here's a memory verse for you. Matter of fact, I have it on the screen. Yes, I do. I have it on the screen. I'm going to ask you to read it with me. Psalm 103, verse 8 reads what? The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. That's our God. He's slow to anger. We're quick to anger. I was driving on the 440 last night. Lord, help me. I just got finished writing this sermon. I'm like, man, you know what? I hate it when I have to really do like what I preach about. (laughs) Dude. God is slow to anger, abounding in mercy. And so Paul encouraged them to continue in grace. Paul is saying, listen, here's what he's saying. Listen to this. Watch this, guys. Paul is saying this here. Don't just start with grace and then leave grace. You know, a lot of people act as if grace is the introduction to Christian life. They'll, they, you know, they'll, they'll assent to and they will agree. Well, yeah, I mean, we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. I'm saved because of the grace of God. And they act as if grace is kind of the introduction to Christian life. As if after you're introduced to being a Christian by grace, somehow we leave grace. Listen, grace isn't the introduction to Christian life. Grace is the Christian life. Grace is the beginning. Grace is the middle. Grace is the end. It's all God's grace. We don't have anything apart from God's grace. We don't know anything apart from God's grace. It's all God's grace. And that's why Paul encourages them and says, don't forget to continue in his grace. And you can't add anything to his grace. You know, we, 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 again, the introduction and then we leave grace. Listen, you can't add anything to God's grace. We try to add something to grace, and thus we feel some kind of justified, some way of being justified in our salvation because we add something to grace. You know, it's almost like grace plus church membership equals salvation. Grace plus tithing equals salvation. Grace plus hymns and no drums in the church equals salvation. We try to add stuff to it. Listen, here's the equation. I wasn't that good at math. In school, I was terrible at math. I'll never forget, I refused to learn my multiplication table. <laughs> my mama said, you're going to learn them, 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 them multiplication table. I'm, I'm saying to her, yes, ma'am. Inside, I'm thinking, no, I'm not. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. I say, man, you know you do. I ain't doing it. I refused. And finally, you know, after, you know, 47 whoopings, I gave in and uh, I learned them. But here's a multiplication. Here's a, 
here's an equation for you that, that you should never forget. Grace plus zero equals salvation. You understand? If you can't remember that, you write it down. Grace plus nothing equals salvation. You can't add anything to God's grace. God saved you because he loved you. God saved us because he loved us first. He loved me first? Yeah, he loved us first. You know, there's a guy by the name of Josiah Condor, and he was a theologian. And he wrote these awesome, awesome words in 1836. And I thought they were so wonderful. I wanted to put them up for you. 1836, he, he said this. Tis not that I did choose thee, for Lord thou that could not be. This heart would still refuse thee. Hast thou not chosen me? My heart owns none before thee. For thy rich grace I thirst. This knowing, if I love thee, thou must have loved me first. Don't you love that? Some of y'all know Jacob. Tends here at the church. And uh, yesterday I was preparing my sermon and I, uh, I read him that. And if you know Jacob, you'll understand this. I read him that and uh, Jacob said, now Pastor Rodney, that's real. <laughs> he started doing all this. That's real. That's real. I said, you know, that is real. God loved us first. Grace is not the introduction to Christianity. It's all of Christianity. And I really am amazed. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm amazed at how legalistic we become after we have been a Christian for some time. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.